0: Hey, Sean Gaby here, welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, Sean Gaby here with the Supernatural Leadership Podcast, talking about the difference between principle-led leadership and presence-led leadership. We all have a leader within, why not make that leader a little more supernatural? Enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome again to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast episode My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for stopping by. We love hearing reviews. We love seeing your comments, especially on our new YouTube channel. So make sure you comment, make sure you like subscribe, share this new YouTube channel with your friends. But if you haven't subscribed to the actual audio podcast, I would encourage you to do the same and share that review it, rate it. It really helps spread the word, helping you grow as a supernatural leader and others that you know as well. And so as you know, we love to host guests. We love to have guests on here. And today we have another special guest, friend of mine, someone that I've grown to know over the last several years. And before I bring him on, I'm going to read a little bit of his bio to introduce to you a little bit of who he is. His name is Chris Mathis, and he is a voice to this generation preaching a message of life-giving hope through Jesus. He desires to see people equipped in their right identity in christ as a beloved son or daughter and out of that identity live the abundant life of peace of peace that jesus spoke of chris has a passion for church planting and oversees the summit church movement a grassroots church planting movement that he and his wife nikki mathis founded in 2009 in florida and together they oversee 15 churches throughout the u.s brazil and canada and they lead the summit church here in our nation's our our nation canada in Edmonton, the great city of Edmonton in Alberta with two new with new location two locations sorry planted in 2016. So Chris, I want to welcome you to the Supernatural Leadership podcast. How you doing?
1: Hey Sean, thanks so much for having me on, man. I think of you just with such high honor and degree and you you are like a prophet to this nation in my eyes. And so I know that this uh podcast is reaching many and your influence is uh uh, continually rippling, rippling across the globe. And so I'm very thankful to be on here with you and to be joining you today.
0: Well, thank you so much. It's my, my privilege, my honor to have you on here and super excited to to chat. I know, you know, a mutual friend introduced to us, uh, to each other several years ago, just through, I think text Teofalo Hayashi in, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And, um, and we got connected. And then I think I saw you, I think quite quick after that first initial conversation, in uh, Toronto or something at a gal- yeah. leaders gathering and yep. uh, kind of connected ever since then, then I've been, I've had the privilege of being with you speaking into your culture in Edmonton and summit church, love what you're doing out there. Super powerful. I have to say yeah. like, if you're listening and you're in Canada uh, uh, they have one of the most amazing churches and movements and worship ministries in our nation. It is, wow. uh, they, they are absolutely Incredible. One of my favorite places to to travel now. I just love being with them. It feels like an extension of family, to be honest with you. I feel like it's like tribal. You know, it's like you know when you're with people that are like of your tribe, it's just like it just feels easy. It feels at home. You feel you feel you. And I I just love what God is doing through you guys and how you guys have fostered. I mean, and you're an American. So you came in as an American, you married a Canadian, came in as an American and you know what you fit man like you belong here i know you're american you also belong in the u.s but you belong here and we love having you in canada and so i have to say this though and this wasn't in your bio and i want to ask you why it wasn't in your bio chris (laughs) mathis is like a real deal like man's man like spiritual tim allen hunter (laughs) real deal (laughs) i mean the guy has like the man cave of all garages Uh, like if uh, you've ever seen a man cave well Put that man, Kate, on 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 steroids. Put it in a garage, and that's Chris Mathis's garage. It is off the charts. Why isn't that on your bio? That's like it's a huge part of who you are.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, I I I I don't I forget maybe how big of a deal people get impressed over it. To me, it's just like the way I was raised. It's you just throw deer heads on walls, and you know, it's just a part of my decoration and so i forget that to the average person it's not normal <laughs> so yeah to me it's, it's just another room in my house
0: it's honestly you have like the the coolest garage i think i've ever seen thank you thank you how many how many deer in your lifetime have you killed
1: i couldn't count i couldn't tell you i've lost count now how many i could tell you how many mounts that i have how many mounts? Um, oh, uh, somewhere around 25 or
0: 30 wow you have have like 30 mounts now what's the what was your favorite kill of all of your hunting years
1: they're all so special sean i i i don't think i it's fair to describe my favorite i will tell you my favorite experience that i've had recently is watching my wife kill her first bear uh that was this last spring and we did a full life-size mount on it it sits out here in what is uh becoming Nikki's trophy room here at the office and um and so watching her do that was a big joy uh, to my heart
0: you know so yeah and but
1: then and like, of course any any deer that my my children kill now that's the ones I'm like come on those are my
0: favorite now how many have they killed cuz you have young kids oh yeah so they've so. all,
1: they've all killed they've all killed everyone but my youngest she's not really into the hunting thing and so that's okay i still take her from time to time but she's she's she is a worship leader singer dancer flagger like she she doesn't really care to see blood and guts and shoot an animal and that's okay
0: we'll Man. still keep her <laughs> so you must have like like your fridge is stocked with
1: yeah stay stocked all kinds don't of meat. Meat. Like you
0: don't ever like you don't go to the grocery store like you just you just we, kill you eat
1: we go to the grocery store for for things obviously but uh, we don't buy. We, we very rarely will buy meat unless we just decide to want to have beef which is rare we elk moose deer uh bison stays in my in my uh freezer from stuff that we we let me ask you a
0: question then what's your favorite kill to eat like what's your favorite uh and all the things you hunt
1: yeah probably elk yep elk Yep.
0: now now how when did you first start this hunting journey
1: oh first time i went hunting was with my dad and grandfather when i was like four so um yeah, that's always been ingrained in me. Uh, I didn't hunt for many years, though. Um, obviously, just life and as a young man, it's, it can be expensive, you know, when you're um, taking trips and traveling and buying all the gear. And so, in my in my twenties, I kind of got out of it. You know, it was I'd say late twenties, early thirties. Um, it really started to resurrect in me again, and um, the passion really intensified. I'd say probably around twenty nine. Uh, Just it just started to soar again. And so, yeah,
0: man, that's awesome. I, you know, I I just did one of my exams for my non-restricted gun license here in Canada. And uh, one of the questions they said not to ask people is how many guns you have. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to ask you how many guns you have, but I'm going to say I'm an, I'm probably a gun collector.
1: <laughs> I, I'm an American and so okay. we we don't really care about that question in the states. <laughs> um maybe in Canada they tell you that. Maybe for purposes they don't want anybody trying to steal one, I don't know. But I put it this way. Um I have a lot of guns. Several yeah, different safes.
0: <laughs> I've seen some of them too. <laughs> yeah, I've seen yeah. some of them. Yeah. Man, I am so excited to have you on here. Um, yeah, you know, and this this episode like you know, I I, I kind of want to do something a little bit different and call this um, hunting and the supernatural. And so seeing if we can draw out some of the your journey in encountering God through some of what, you know, we're calling your hunting lifestyle, because really it's a lifestyle. It's not something that you just do for fun once in a while. I mean, it's like everything. I mean, look at your office. It's like it's a part of who you are. It's reflected in who you are. And uh, we dedicate this, by the way, this episode to all the vegans out there. So if you're a vegan, <laughs> we're super excited that you're here. Or maybe we should dedicate it to the carnivores. I don't know who will like it more. But um, but I before we dive into some of the, the chat, I want to ask you, like, share with the listeners sort of the beginning stages of when the supernatural really hit your leadership. I always try to ask yeah. your guests to, like, bring us into a little bit of your starting point when it comes to yeah. the
1: supernatural. Yeah. Um, so for me, it was right away, Sean. Um, I didn't have this journey where my Christianity developed from not experiencing the supernatural to having years of serving God, and then all of a sudden I was awakened to something more. Um, really, I would say the fullness of everything hit me right away, and it was had a lot to do with the desperation that I had in my heart. I was um, at, at a I was eighteen years old, a point in my life where I was running from pretty much anything of structure and any system of authority I was running from, I was living a life of drugs and alcohol, pretty intense and pretty heavily. And uh, that led to making some very foolish decisions and um, ended up doing 10 months in the county jail in Polk County in Florida. And it was in that place that I was just came to the end of myself. Um, I recognized my parents, my family couldn't get me out of the situation I was in. And I found myself in there, Um, really opening my heart for the first time to the Lord. And um, in there, I remember asking the Lord, if you are real, if you really are real, you have to show up in my life right now. And if you do, I'll give my life to you. And he did, he showed up immediately. And um, I had a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit, um, was saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit within three days. Um, that while you were in
0: jail? Uh, that like was while, while I was
1: in jail. Yep. And when right. I say baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, I had no grid for this whatsoever. Zero grid. I had zero church grid my entire life. Uh, we might go Christmas and maybe went Easter. We came late, left early, sat in the back. God was not in my home growing up. And so I had no grid. I get baptized in the Holy Spirit for wow. three days in there. I'm shaking under the power of God, praying wow. in tongues, and my wow. life is just wrecked forever. It was in that encounter that the Lord started to speak over me, identity, who I was, what my mandate in life was. And so from that moment, um, without Bible college, without uh, any mentorship or training, I began to open my Bible and read it for hours. And knowing that I was called to preach, I just started right there. I would, after dinner every day, would open up my cell and I would turn my room, which was probably the size, maybe twice the size of this office, different bunks in there. And I told all the guys in there most of them moved out really quick cuz they heard me praying and shaking and they got really freaked out so they moved out of my room into another wow. room um and then i told all of our roommates i said guys um i'm getting ready to preach in here every day like if you have a problem with that find another room and i would after dinner yell out as loud as i could it's church time it's church time it's church time anyone who wants to experience the freedom of jesus wow. come in and uh I would basically just preach what I read that day. And I'd preach my heart out for about a whole five minutes
0: (laughs) because
1: that's all I could do. I had no capacity greater, but it was in there, Sean, that I experienced things early on. Um, I I know we've, we've heard about the Shekinah cloud, the glory cloud of God. It happened to us in that cell. I remember a a meeting where the cloud, you couldn't see five feet and three feet in front of you. It was so thick. There was not a dry eye in the room. It was glory. Um, we, we watched a guy get healed of AIDS in that room. There was uh, hundreds of salvations that took place over the course of that 10 months. And so, um, that was my experience. I launched out of that and then had to navigate through, um, going to church for the first time, um, you know, in a, in a outside of a jail and where everybody's polished and they're pretty and they don't always want the radical shouting and praise and worship. And, uh, um, so I had to navigate a lot of that after but yeah i mean i was i was rocked by the lord early and uh the supernatural has just always been a part of my life
0: since that's wild man i i love i never do that part of your story that's Mm -hmm. amazing and super encouraging i'm curious to know did somebody pray for you like what initiated like what was sort of the you're just in your jail cell one day did you did you come to the end of yourself like a lot of us dudes say, "Hey God, if you're real, show." Like, what was sort of like your entry? Yeah. Was it a prayer? Did somebody pray for you? Heard somebody preach the gospel? Like, what sort of that was the tipping point for you?
1: Yeah, no, I, I I remember walking as I it was my first day there, and I, as I got off the transport van to walk down the hallway to go spend the next ten months in this random, you know, dormitory dormitory, um, you know, at, at 18 years old, you know, that's a scary thing. You're in there with murderers. You're in there with people that have committed some real crimes that. Uh, and so at 18, I'm realizing, man, I I need help. And this is scary. And so I remember walking down the hall, praying, God, if you are real, you, I'll give my life to you. I walk yeah. in the dorm and uh, it was about nine in the morning. You know, they hand you your mat and your blankets and your pillow. And you got to basically just you're thrown in the storm. You got to go find a bed. You know, there's three, 400 people in this dorm and, and uh, you're basically got to walk room to room and hope there's a bed open Man. and contend with people not wanting you in there. And then you got to fight or do something crazy. But I walked in and it was about nine in the morning. And then the tables out in the big dormitory, there was a couple guys sitting there and they had their Bibles open. And I remember just watching these guys read their Bibles. I walked up the stairs, found my room and I stood on the top balcony, just looking down, reading the Bible. And uh, I just began to make friends with them. And those guys in there uh, kind of helped me in the initial process, prayed wow. with me and said, you need to get in the book of John and in the book of Acts, John and Acts, John and Acts. And so man. I did that. Yeah.
0: I love that, man. I love those, those types of origin stories, those beginnings, because they're really foundational. Yeah. Like yeah, they're really foundational to everything that you're living today. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I, I see like, even in your, your life and watching, sort of what you're a part of and your ministry, like the emphasis that you guys put on the power of God. And yes, you know, a lot of people would say that they believe in the power of God, but it's a whole other thing to live it, experience it, yep. um, be a part of facilitating and yep. making room for God's power. I mean, Paul said it like this, you know, I come to you not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the power and that's in what you do. And, and I, and I, I see like in every area of our life, like God's power wants to permeate. God's power wants to touch down. God's power wants to move in. And I want to ask you this maybe weird question, but where in this journey would you say that, you know, you could marry your experience with hunting to experience, experiencing God's power? Do they, go together in your world? Do you see God's power moving in that space that some people would say, oh, it's just a hobby, just a desire, a hobby. Like, do you see God's power in that space? I see God's power
1: in every space in every area of my life. Um, I don't categorize any of it. There's no separation or categorizing my walk with the Holy Spirit. It's involved in everything. He's involved in everything I do. One of the scriptures that comes to mind that I can really reference what this looks like on a practical level is John 1, 4. It says in him was life and life was the light of men. Life is light. Jesus lived life and his life was light. It wasn't that he was the light when he was in the temple or, you know, out on the marketplace, healing the sick only. It was literally his everyday life. It was when he was sitting down at a dinner table. It was when he was having fun with his disciples. It was when he was fishing, taking a nap it was all holy. It was all unto the Lord. And so, um, so how it's translated in the hunting where it's not just a hobby is um, I kind of view the times that I sit in the tree stand. It's not all killing and it's not all man dragging deer out of the woods every time. Those are the few small success moments over hundreds of hours that are spent in solitude, in silence, walking through the woods before the sun comes up, walking out of the woods when the sun is down, quietly, you know, and sometimes having to hike long distances. Um, and in those solitude moments, I like to relate them to when Jesus would often get away and pray on the mountain. And, yeah. and that's kind of my get away and be with the father. Cause the majority of the time, 95% of the time, you're not killing, you're sitting, you're yeah. in silence and several hours uh, at a time. And so, yeah, that's the Holy spirit. I want him right there with me. I'm talking to Jesus. I'm, I'm meditating on the word.
0: And you're, and you're, I mean, you're producing the fruit of patience. Patience is a huge one. <laughs> <And> perseverance. <laughs> perseverance. You're persevering cold, yes. wet. Yes. I mean, like, like I'm excited, yes. to, I'm excited to go hunting. Like I'm not a hunter yet. I, I'm excited to go hunting. Yeah. but I'm like, I'm not at the space where I'm like, I'm committing to go when it's like freezing cold in the oh, yeah. rain, sitting oh, yeah. in a tree stand for like 20 hours. Like oh, yeah. I'm not there yet. Maybe I'll be there one day, but uh, I'm like, you know, take me when it's like warm. Yeah. Take me me during the day, you know, Um, because even, I mean, even fishing, I mean, fishing is kind of, I don't know if you'd call it a form of hunting. I mean, you're hunting for fish in a sense, but fishing, I mean, teaches you patience, but, but it's, it's different. I mean, Hey everyone, before we continue on, I have some exciting news to share with you. The Supernatural Leadership School is now live. The platform has been launched with our very first e-course called the Voice of God module. I would encourage you head over to supernaturalleadership.com and sign up today and begin a brand new supernatural leadership journey. It's a totally different experience than hunting. Hunting is seems to be way more of a process than than and that's kind of like what our spiritual like our spiritual life and reaching our destination in life, reaching fulfilling our purpose, finding hitting our goals like we have to go through these processes that we mm-hmm. don't want to go through to get the to get the kill to get the win to get the thing that we're trying to to hit in life and it can be very discouraging and so when you're hunting man you're you're growing in all these these areas and right it's I mean,
1: it's even more difficult when you hunt the way i do i, I primarily hunt with a bow um i do rifle oh hunt, really eh? but most of my hunting man. these days are with a bow and arrow and so um why so know, I, why is that why is that um, you know, I think the ch- the challenge, number one, it's more primitive, it's more, um, you feel more of a connection with what you're taking, you know, it's one thing to sit 300 yards, and you have a, you know, a deer that can't see you, you're completely, you know, undetected sense, smell, you know, and you're 300 yards away, and that bullet is flying 2500 feet per second, like, there comes a point where when you do that so much, it's like, you know what, like cheating?
0: Really Is want... that like, like cheating? Is that what you I call it?
1: I don't call it cheating. I would never call it cheating because I still do it. And I know a lot of respectable hunters in the hunting world do it. There's just still something about having to get within 20 yards of a deer and you're climbing in a tree and you are sitting in complete silence. Your scent has to be covered. And when you harvest an animal like that, it's like, man, I earned this. I, I Like that man. one right there, Bo. And I earned that.
0: Man. And 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 like, have you ever thought about like going even more ancestral, like David and his sling?
1: Um, <laughs> I think there are parameters and rules in the hunting world. I know spears are pretty much banned, and I'm sure a sling would be too. <laughs>
0: yeah. Really? Eh? Really? Yeah.
1: Eh? Yeah. Yeah.
0: What What about a slingshot? I mean, you could. I mean, I'm sure that's the whole thing. No, that's not a thing. I
1: I don't think a slingshot would de- technically kill a deer. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> he would probably, probably just really. Wound How about, it about or a partridge? Injured.
0: How about a partridge? Maybe a,
1: maybe a partridge, yeah. yeah, a yeah squirrel,
0: yeah. that's <laughs> awesome. So, like, and I know that you're also, you know, not only are you very influential in the marketplace or in the sorry, the church domain, but you're also very involved in the marketplace. I know you even had like you you bought a like a, a hunting farm at one point, and yeah, like I I see like your your desire to like reach out into the marketplace and use hunting as a platform, because I mean every sphere of influence needs God yes so it doesn't matter where you are and like talk about a little bit about that part of your journey as well
1: you know my uh kind of secret desire in my heart has always been to own some sort of hunting lodge initially it started as like a dream for my family and friends a place that we can get away to but um i my wife several years ago uh, blessed me for my birthday and she bought me a, a hunting trip through an outfitter in saskatchewan and so uh, I went and uh, not really knowing what to expect. I'd never done anything like that before. Um, had a great time. Loved the property. It was like just beautiful cabin. Um, the owner was amazing. And uh, I found myself the second night there.
0: But uh, by the way, j- just explain what an outfitter is. Just explain. Yeah, what, so it's, it's
1: basically a, a hunting guide. Someone a place that you go that you pay for the experience of a guided hunt um, to to uh, be able to harvest a mature whitetail or elk or moose and uh they can be fairly expensive. Um this one was kind of more on the lower end and so um which was still expensive. Um but basically you're paying for their experience, their expertise, their uh knowledge of um, you know, their area as well. And um and so my wife paid for, for me to go on one with a guide at an outfit, at an outfitter's uh company. Wow. And so um so there after the second day, this this outfitter Uh, who has since become a very, very close friend of mine um, started, you know, he's noticed I'm tattooed up and he asked me, what do you do? And when I said, I'm a pastor, he couldn't believe it. He said, wait a minute. Like I've never met a pastor with tattoos, first of all, and talk to me about that. So it gave me the opportunity to sit down and just like I started on this podcast, started sharing my journey of how the Lord radically changed my life. And I'm not just preaching just the Bible to him. I'm preaching my life, the Jesus in me and my experience to him so that it connects much deeper. And so, um, that night we sat up at the dinner table and he had tears in his eyes streaming down his face and saying, he wants to know more about the God that I serve. Um, the trip, uh, ended successful. I took a beautiful, uh, white tailed deer, and I got a chance to pray with him before I left. And I prayed over his business, that his business would prosper, be extremely successful. Um, and just released a blessing over it. That year, I was the first client that year. That year was his best year yet wow. that he'd ever had in, wow. in that company. So since then, he's become a friend. He's come to church here several times. And uh, after COVID or during COVID, and they shut the borders down. He took a hit financially. And um, he had several people offering to invest in his company, you know, to buy in. Um, and he just didn't feel right. He felt like um, he was to offer me at a very affordable rate to buy into his company uh, as much as I wanted or as much as I could afford. And so uh, my wife and I prayed about it. And we had just sold a house in Florida that we had a little bit of resources that we were trying to figure out what to do with. And so we, we did, we bought in 15%. And um, he told me going forward, he said, Chris, this could be a 10-year endeavor. It could be one year, but if the right offer comes along, we're going to sell this just so you know, before you buy it. And I said, I'm totally fine with that. So I had that ranch at 15% wow. for about six months and we had a incredible $1.5 million offer um, that we just couldn't turn down. Not, especially not knowing where the uh, borders were going to go. And so we ended up selling and it was uh, a supernatural investment. It was a supernatural connection and relationship that that guy um, probably never would have encountered the Lord maybe um, wow. had I not showed up there and been wow. part. And so since then I still partner with him on other things and, guiding and helping get clients that uh, are looking for outfitted hunts. I send clients all the time to him and I'm kind of a a mediator between, you know, his company and, and uh, some of the the Christian world. And he told me, he said, Chris, since I've met you, I've never had more Christians come to like hire our services. He said, it's crazy. And so we're influencing that whole sphere of influence with, with the salt of the earth. And that's us.
0: I love that, man. Like, would you say, like, I don't know much about the hunting community. Like I have friends that are in that space. I don't know a lot about it. I mean, it's like every culture, every little sub community, mm-hmm. you know, hobby community driven community has their, yeah. th- their, their vibe. They're yeah. sort of like their way. A lot of the people are very similar. Would you say that that community being that the hobby is entirely focused within nature, mm-hmm. that there is an openness that's different? Um, with that hobby specifically to God, because they're in nature, 100%. they're killing animals. I mean, they're experiencing life and death. They're experiencing at the same time. They're they're taking part of like what, what God has provided. They're eating what God has provided. And most of them, I'm assuming, eat the meat. Yeah. Um, do you see that? Do you see an openness that's unlike other hobby-driven areas?
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The majority of the people that are in the hunting world are very integral human beings. They, the majority, now there's always, you know, bad apples in any group, but the majority of people that you meet in that world are very, very open to the gospel. They're very open to the Lord. Um, and, uh, and some of them, many of them believe in God, but not, they don't know him. They don't know Jesus being the only way they believe in Jesus, but they don't understand the dynamic of Holy spirit as the doorway to our relationship and to, open up a manifestation of Jesus Christ to us in a very real way. And so it's been fun in my eyes to be able to introduce that to so many uh, of of the people that I meet. And um, but yeah, and even in the church world all over, there's there there's a there's a lot of hunters out there that, uh, you know, um, very much think the same.
0: Wow. Interesting. I brought my son and this is an interesting confession. Maybe you don't I don't know. I'm assuming you would know what this is, but we have a Cabela's in Ottawa. You know what Cabela's is? I'm assuming you know what Cabela's is. It's like the- I, awesome I actually am going
1: as soon as we get off this call. I have to run up there and pick up a couple. So yes, I'm
0: familiar. <laughs> I went to Cabela's for the first time in wow. my entire life. Wow. Like you've been, uh, you've been neglecting yourself. No, literally like a month and a half ago. Yeah. And I have to say like, I was so blown away. It was mm-hmm. the funnest shopping experience that I've had yep. probably in 10 years. It was like another world. I believe it. And and the thing, but the thing that stood out to me though, and this is like really strange because I walk into this Cabela's (laughs) like, I mean the, the building of itself like spoke. I mean, it looks totally different than any other building in the area. Like this massive like lodge. Looks. I feel like I'm in America. I felt like I was in America. I feel like I was in a different Uh country. I walk in, I walk in, the vibe is different. And the people like every, I've never had so many strangers Offer their help and guidance. I was trying to find like good fishing lures for my son. I've never had so many helpful people, random strangers, like in the in this in the span of like 20 to 30 minutes, talk to me, help me, more than the staff. Like the staff wasn't really that helpful. I mean, I wasn't really asking the staff a lot of questions, but all these people, and I left feeling like, man, I felt like I was in like another world. These Mm -hmm. people were so nice. And I just, I don't know, for me it just spoke volumes to me like, this is a cool community. Like I'm not in that community yet. I- I'm super yeah. intrigued by it. I want to get into it. I want to journey into that. But I was just super encouraged. Like if this is the type of people that are in that space, man, like I want And like- it, it
1: is. It is. And, and that's with any outdoor activity. Uh, you know, you find boaters that go to Cabela's fishermen, you know, hunters, gun collectors, um, shooting experts, uh, people that just love camping. You know, in any any outdoor uh, facet that you, you you the people are all like that that you meet. The majority of the people just jam up, good people, and uh, yeah, I think it's something about connecting with the outdoors, something about that wild nature that is deep down in all of us that we're craving, and uh, yeah, and you just find great people in that world.
0: So, so what do you feel? Let's let's sort of circle back to this idea of connecting the supernatural. And the hunting world, what do you feel yeah. God's saying to you in this season as it pertains to the body of Christ, what God is doing, as it yeah. pertains to sort of this idea of hunting? I know there's like a connection like in everything for me that I'm passionate about, God always speaks to me through that lens. He uses yeah. those things in my life to yeah. speak to me. What is God saying to you in that area? Well,
1: uh, I'll be happy to take a jab at that. Um. Uh, You know, Sean, if I walked into your house right now and looked at your decorations, if I looked at um, your garage, your office, um, if I had a glimpse into your world inside your home, I could probably figure out real quick what kind of person you are. I could figure out what kind of um, person you are by opening your refrigerator, seeing if, you know, this guy's obviously healthy, he's into fitness, he's got weights everywhere he dresses sharp so he's into looking presentable i could i could i could pick that out real quick if you come in my house it's the same thing you can tell very quickly what kind of person i am there you see all the deer heads everywhere like look at this guy as a avid outdoorsman um but god gives us the same glimpse into his living room
0: wow love that you look
1: at revelation chapter 4 when john was taken up and you get a glimpse into the living room of god there's 24 elders there are lightnings and thunder crashing around the throne of God. There are six winged creatures, beasts flying around the throne of God. Could you imagine the roar of holy worship in God's living room? And he gives us a glimpse of that through John being caught up. And I think that it says this, and this is my connection between the hunting world and God. God by the invitation that he took John into his living room, we see that God loves wild things. Wow. He loves wild worship. He loves wild natured things. He lo- Look at his, his creation there. And I think there's something about us being free and undomesticated from this version of Christianity that keeps us tame, that keeps us caged in. I really feel like God wants to unwild, rewild the church. Wow. Let us out of our domesticated cages Come and on. step into the authentic identity that he's created each and every one of us. There's a holy roar on the inside of us. There is a wild nature on the inside of us. And so for me when I'm experiencing it in the natural, it kind of somewhat pulls that out, you know. Wow. And so my 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 love prayer that. for the church is that they would become undomesticated. Man,
0: like house I love that. Ki-
1: like house kitty cats in a house, domesticated. No, you were made for the wild.
0: Yeah, and especially during a, a COVID, like a season yeah. of isolation. Yeah, I mean, Al- Alberta probably was the freest province of the whole country. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, like for two years, people were mm-hmm. even more domesticated. Yeah, by by proxy, by by location, where they had to be and not be able to go out as much, and it was lots yeah. of isolation. Yeah. I feel like even more in this season, there is a coming out. Mm-hmm. there is a coming out into who we are mm-hmm. but a breaking away of like what's been comfortable mm-hmm. because i feel like part of breaking away from this domesticated spiritually to say domesticated lifestyle we we need to break out of what's comfortable like peter out of the boat he's in the boat yeah. he sees the storm or the the night storm in front of him and he sees what looks like a ghost yeah and says if it's really you god like call me out yeah and i feel like we're in a if it's really you, God, call us out moment in this season where mm-hmm. God's gonna call us out, but He's gonna call us out out of what's comfortable, out yes. of what's been feeling like, or what what feels domesticated, feels isolated. He's calling us out of this comfortable boat that we've been in, and onto the wild waters because that's yeah. where that's where His power is. Like the power right. of God is always in the as you go, that's and right. Preach the gospel. It's never that's in right. as you stay on your couch, couch comfortable. <laughs> Yeah. You know, away from all the elements so it's as you go and i think hunting to me feels like if there was any sort that is wild in nature and where you're like you're literally like you're literally against the elements you're mm-hmm. out of your comfort zone i know for me it would be that way like this, this shows us and reveals to us like the heart of god for us because yeah the, the the ride of spiritual life that we're all on is a wild one yes and I I I don't know about you, but I've been like there's some uh, like these survival shows that I'm like really yeah. intrigued by. that yeah. are all over online right now, and you know on Disney or on like National Geographic, whatever. And they're super intriguing. There's this one show that I saw, uh, where this guy it was on National Geographic. This guy goes and in, into this tribe in Africa, and has to become this like trained warrior, and <laughs> become this like warrior hunter like the tribe, and they. And all they they don't eat any of the vegetation, so like they're, there's no vegans in their world. They only eat the animal, nose to tail, and they're liquid because there's not a lot of water accessible. Their liquid is the blood from the animal.
1: Oh, gross!
0: <laughs> I mean, and it, and it was like, yeah, it's gross, but it like it really intrigued me. I'm like, I yeah, feel that like would
1: me. Yeah,
0: there's there's this like there's this like destiny destiny in all of us uh-huh. to live on the wild side.
1: Yeah. And I told my I my
0: kids, I'm like, I, I, I would love to do that. I don't know if I would do it, but I would yep. love to do that. To sure. be in that environment, forced against almost like the will of my, all of my emotions and just go with it and be trained in the way of survival like that. <laughs> and uh, like, I don't know, I, I don't know if that resonates with you, but I think that, oh, this yeah. is- I, don't know what we're talking I probably about. wouldn't
1: be I probably wouldn't be on board with drinking blood and replacement yeah. of water, but I, I do love the shows where they drop them off in the middle of nowhere and they've got to see how long they can last with a few items. And these guys that'll last sometimes, you know, 70, 80 days, you know, out there in the elements, having to find their own food, find their own source of water, you know, build their own shelter. You know, that's, that's, that's amazing. I love that kind of stuff.
0: It's kind of like what Elijah did, man. He was like fed by the rain. It is. That's right. That's during right. a famine, you know, that's right. And, uh, would you ever be uh like a carnivore? Are you like a, are you into that? Are you would, would you ever do that? The carnivore lifestyle?
1: The carnivore lifestyle. And that is just meat only.
0: Meat only. You're eating like nose to tail. That's all you eat every day. Surviving on. Uh,
1: I don't think I could do it just only. Could it I could do it for a time, but um, I'm just also aware of all the other vitamins and nutrients that I do get from plant-based foods that uh, are just such an essential part of my diet. um And, so yeah, and even like how much of a meat eater I am, we only probably eat it three times a week. Red meat. Um, we wow. used to do it a lot. We used to do it a lot more. Um, but you're uh, almost three, vegan.
0: You're almost vegan. You're almost three, like a vegan hunter then.
1: Three, three, maybe four <laughs> times a week. We, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm almost vegan. I could never be <laughs> vegan. Um, but just for for health benefits, you know, it's it's right. uh, all the studies we've read said eating it every day is just not the best for your for your body. We had well, chicken in there.
0: Yeah. Chicken in there. Yes, chicken is a yeah. must. I eat chicken yeah. like twice a day. So
1: yeah.
0: Probably too much chicken. But yeah. um give us give us some give us something practical. Okay. So, like, you know, we're 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 talking about the supernatural, talking about hunting. We kind of shared a little bit of your journey. Give us something practical for the listeners to take home in this season where God is wanting to undomesticate them. What can they yeah. do? Tap into this yeah. wild side of what God is saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I know the hunting thing is probably it's not going to be for everybody. I I fully understand that, but there's still something that I believe people can grab a hold of. Um, you know, silence and solitude. Love that. Uh, and it put putting that as a healthy discipline in your weekly walk with the Lord. Uh, it was something we see in Jesus' life. He would get alone with the Father and he would pray. Um, you know, I, I believe a lot of that was contemplative prayer. It was meditation, it was reflecting on the goodness of God, reflecting on the scripture. Um, and, uh, there's something about what, with what I do hunting, I get rejuvenated. I get revived when I'm out there in solitude and silence. And so you don't have to be a hunter to experience that. Um, I know a lot of spiritual leaders that they'll do s- uh, silent retreats throughout the course of their year. They do one a year. Some, I know and they go on a- for a full weekend or a week, maybe, and they do not speak. They go by themselves and they write and they, uh, really practice the art of patience through silence and there's so much that you can hear when you just tune everything out and get silent there's so much clarity that can begin to come to your mind your heart and your spirit and so uh, I would I would suggest practicing that that's something I do that I have found um, very beneficial Uh, speaking to the rewilding thing I think it's just important to remember that the anointing on your life is meant to solve problems
0: love that yeah
1: that's wild that's holy And the anointing on your life is not for a goose bump, a chill bump, you know, all that stuff's good. At the end of the day, the anointing is meant to solve problems. We see David, who had an incredible ability to play the harp, and his gift made room for him in front of the king. But it wasn't his gift that solved the problem of the king being tormented in his mind. It was his anointing. It was who was behind the chord progression on that harp. And David's anointing solved the problem in their day. It gave relief to a king who was tormented. So your anointing is meant to solve problems. Finding that out and sticking in your lane uh, in that is going to be tremendous and will benefit you. And it will be the most maximum impact uh, in, in your life.
0: I love that. I love that. So we're encouraging every listener out there. Take take the next seven days and make it a practice to find some solitude. Could be 10 minutes a day, yeah, five minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, and just practice being in silence. And just, I mean, you can pretend like you're in the tree stand, waiting for the deer to come. But in this sense, you're waiting for God to speak. You're you're posturing your heart. You're being still. Psalms forty six ten to know that He really is God. To know Him in a deeper way. You, you when you mentioned that, Chris, I I immediately thought I have a friend. You probably would know him. I won't mention his name. Um, who did a fast. Um, but unlike anything I have ever heard of, he did a blind fast where he mm. blindfolded himself. <laughs> I think it was for like five days wow it was a minimum of three I don't remember if it was three or five but it was between three and five days he locked himself in a cottage and literally his whole the whole premise was to shut his eyes off to the world kind of like what happened to Paul he was blind yeah yeah and like the inside eyes begin to turn on you know? yeah and, and yeah. it was to re-energize his faith yeah and I thought that was a it was I don't I don't know if I could do that I mean it have to be God led the grace would have to come on me to do that. Yeah. That's a challenging fast. But that I think that the the point is is like anything to get you to a place of solitude. Yeah. To practice solitude, I think is so important in this season when the noise around us is so loud. The narratives around us are so loud, trying to fiddle and play with our belief systems and throw out our belief systems, come against our belief systems. And I think solitude is one of the greatest things that we can do with the Lord being still and know that he is God. Chris, this has been an awesome conversation. Is there anything that we can promote? I know you do hunting trips. You have an amazing hunting YouTube channel that I want to encourage people to check out, share with us a little bit about how people can get in touch with what you're doing. And if there's anything you want to really promote and just talk about as we close.
1: Yeah. You can always uh, follow what we're doing on Instagram or Facebook, any social media platform we're on, our church, the Summit Edmonton, and also mine personally. Um, Yeah, so our church, I love to always talk about what God's doing here. We've been in a sustained move of God um, for quite some time. We call these meetings that we sustain this in the True North Revival Gatherings. You've been out to speak um, in those, uh, Sean, and um, we do those on the first weekend of every month. We have people literally that fly in from all over uh, wow. Western Canada, all over Canada, really, we've we've had people flying from the east. Um, and it just it's been really impactful. Um, we do a school wow. here, worship is a huge part of our culture. My wife, Nikki Mathis leads Summit Sounds, which is a collective of worship leaders uh, in all of our summit locations. And so they've written several albums that uh, um, they've put out there. And um, you can find all that on any major platform. We also do a Summit Sound School of Music and the Arts here where we're raising up. We have about 150 students in that school. And we raise up the next generation of worshipers. And we're teaching them uh, how to be skillful musicians, not just a musician, but a skillful musician. The Bible says that over so many of of, of the scriptures about David that he was skilled. And uh, uh, we want to make sure that we're being excellent in that. So we have the best of the best teachers and uh, vocal teachers, instrument teacher that really pour into them in our school. And uh, uh, yeah, passionate about the next generation and doing that.
0: That's awesome. I love that. I would agree. They have such an amazing, amazing thing happening at Summit. Their True North meetings are off the charts. Their worship culture is off the charts, second to none. Check them out. Follow them on social media. Visit their website. Fly out to one of their, their conferences. You won't regret it even if you're from the u.s guess what canada is now open to all all people now so you can fly in and uh, i know i know god will do amazing amazing things in your life chris thank you so much for your time really appreciate talking about the supernatural talking about hunting a little bit of a different conversation love it yeah and uh love to have you on again and um yeah it was just a great conversation man and make sure if you're listening out there check out and follow Chris and i know you won't regret it. Thank you so much for listening to the Supernatural Leadership podcast. We love you all. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.